So why don't we just stay standing for a moment? Can I get you to close your eyes, lift your hands to God because he's been doing something here from the very beginning and his presence is really all we need tonight. And the word has an anointing on it, but it can't, I can't do what he can do. <laughs> I just feel like, you know, as we were worshipping before, felt like Jesus wanted to stand in front of some of you and tell you that he's not disappointed with you. Might not apply to everybody in the room tonight, but I felt like he wanted to speak to your heart tonight and tell you loud and clear, he's not disappointed with you. You know, sometimes we get so disappointed with ourselves so down on ourselves what we should be doing and what we seem incapable of doing and we set this high bar and we feel like we can never reach it and God's not disappointed in you tonight even if you are I feel like the Holy Spirit just wants to come and speak that to some of your hearts here tonight and to release you of the heaviness that comes with disappointment you know we're only at the beginning of the year but already some of you might have been like, well, it took me three weeks to fail all of my resolutions. <laughs> and you know, you might just be feeling like, am, am I ever going to do what I feel like God's calling me to do? Am I ever going to make it? God wants to take that heaviness off you tonight and tell you that he's proud of you and that he's not disappointed and that he loves you. You know, it's always out of a place of love that we serve God anyway. And if you don't understand how loved you are by God, you're always going to be striving in human strength to try and do something for Him that He never intended for you to do alone without the Holy Spirit and without the love of God just pouring over your life without measure. It all comes out of that place. You know, you can't love the person next to you if you don't know God loves you anyway. The love of God is like a flow. It flows onto you. It flows out to others. And tonight I just feel his love wanting to overtake your heart here tonight and wash away condemnation, disappointment, feelings of inadequacy, insecurity. You know, I got this um, picture the other week and it just reminded me of the way God looks at me when I stand in front of him. And I want you to see this in your mind tonight. And that is that when he's looking at me, he actually sees Jesus. And when he's looking at Jesus, he sees a, a perfect life. So if you don't feel like you've lived the perfect life, nobody has. You know what? Jesus Christ lived the perfect life so that you could stand before your Father in heaven completely unhindered, completely bold in his presence, completely loved by him, completely set free, completely made whole. He loves you here tonight. He's not disappointed. He loves you. He's proud. He's proud of you. He's proud of what you're going to do. 
And out of that place of freedom, I see so many of you rising up again with wings like eagles, not out of a place of striving and, oh God, I'm, I want to do this. I don't have the energy. I don't have the power. I don't have this. I don't have that. To settle back into his love. Let love propel you. And we talk about love and it sounds all airy-fairy and a bit new agey sometimes, but let God's love, the love that he has for you, be the thing that sets you in motion. sets you in motion. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you're not disappointed in us, that you love us, that you're proud of us here tonight. Pastor Phil was talking this morning at Oxford Falls about going ahead and making all these resolutions for the new year. But he said something really amazing, and I want you to get this picture tonight, is he said that if you start the year on your knees, you'll end on your feet. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? Man. So I just stole that from him. But you don't don't try to start this year running. Do it differently this year. Start this year on your knees. You know, I had some time with God this morning, this afternoon rather. I just sat in his presence and I just, everything that I was worried about just went, gone. (laughs) All the stuff, you know, I don't have to tell you all, all the details, you know, personal stuff and you've got your stuff too, but it's actually in this place here where it's quiet and it's still and you're on your knees and you're just giving him time to give something to you that you need. And that's when you, you know, the word says when we wait, it's when we wait, that's when we rise up with wings of eagles. We rise up in strength. So how about C3 Silverwater, this be a year of his strength and not yours. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Yeah, come on. Give God a huge hand. He's amazing. He's amazing. Wow. You guys can sit down. Thank you so much for hanging with me for a little bit. I just love Jesus and I love what he, what he does in our lives. And I think every message I've ever spoken has been pretty much pointed towards one thing. And that is how good he is. And that's okay. I'm happy to speak on that for the rest of my life, (laughs) just from different angles (laughs) and different reasons, because he's so wonderful and so beautiful to us. And tonight, I want to just launch into a message. I know I don't have a lot of time left, so I'll be short, but um, I'm going to talk tonight about disappointment, funnily enough, because I started there. And, um, you know... You've, you've heard this, probably a, a similar message to this halfway through the year when we did the series and you were hearing about disappointment, but I wanted to give you a message tonight from my heart about how I feel like we're supposed to respond to disappointment, to disappointment, because I think so often we go about life trying to avoid disappointment and actually we can't. <laughs> 
Because the thing about disappointment is that it all hinges on this one thing, and that is expectation. In fact, even Shakespeare said that expectation is the root of all heartache. And he wasn't a Christian as long as, we, as far as we know. <laughs> but expectation is the root of all heartache. And so, you know, a lot of people have experienced disappointments in their life and they make this inner vow in themselves and they say, you know, I'm never going to expect anything again. I'm never going to expect this to happen or that to happen. I'm shutting the door on my dreams and that's it. The expectation level is going to be drastically lowered in my life so that I can avoid the kind of disappointment that I've experienced in the past. And that is not how God wants us to deal with disappointment. He does want us to deal with it, however, but it's in a totally different way. And there's this incredible story in the book of John and it's in uh, the, the book of John chapter 11 and it's actually about the death of Lazarus. And it's how two women who were the sisters of Lazarus, actually responded to this profound sense of disappointment in their worlds. And, um, you know, just to kick it off, it's story time with them. So I'm going to tell you a little story about when I was five years old. I haven't told this story much because it brings me great sorrow. (laughs) And you'll know why in a minute. But when I was five years old, as Hartley said, I was part of this church um, was in Oxford Falls back then. I think it was DY Surf Club. And then we moved to Brookvale. And, you know, when people introduce me, it always sounds like I had something to do with the beginning of the church. I had nothing to do with it. I didn't even know where I was or who I was or who my parents were or who Pastor Phil and Chris were. I was five. I was just happy to eat, sleep and the other thing. Um, so... So I'm five years old and we have every year in our church, we had every year, an annual talent quest. Remember back in the, those church days, back in the 80s when you had talent quests and lamington drives and um, barn dancers? We even did barn dancers. Can you imagine Pastor Phil barn dancing while it happened? So, so we had this talent quest, but really it wasn't a church talent quest. It was the Pringles talent quest. <laughs> and it was, it was their opportunity to show how incredibly talented they were. No, it wasn't actually, but that's, <laughs> that's just a joke, don't worry. But they were incredibly talented. So I, at the age of five, thought I had this brilliant voice and that I would get up and sing this incredible song. And for those of you who have been in Australian schools for, you know, 20 years ago or however long ago it was, you'll know the song Golden Wattle. Does anyone remember the song Golden Wattle? Okay, there's nobody here that remembers it. <laughs> Okay, excellent start. So I'm glad to connect with you on that. So, um, so I thought I'll sing this song, Golden Model, and I had my dress all prepared. And as my mum was ironing my dress, I'm at the, I'm the age of five, I've got this massive expectation of the night, hey, like I was going to win this thing. She's ironing my dress and she goes, you know what, darling, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. And I should have heeded her warning. It was probably the Holy Spirit talking to me, but I didn't. I said, no, no, this is going to be great. I'm going to be awesome. So I get up on the stage that night and I realise how many people are actually in the room and I'm five and I start singing Golden Wattle and it sounds a little bit like this. This is how I sounded. Golden Wattle. And then I proceeded to get the worst case of the hiccups that I've ever had in my life. 
and I hiccuped through the entire song. Summary of the evening was, I didn't get a prize. I didn't even get the Encouragement Award. You would have thought that a five-year-old with hiccups should have got the Encouragement Award. Well, no, not me. And so I went to a place of denial. I didn't want to know who won the competition. I kind of had a sense in my little five-year-old heart that it wasn't me. And so I lay under the front seats of the church and I pretended to be asleep. (laughs) And I remember mum calling me, Emily, Emily, it's the awards time. They're announcing the awards. And I just curled up in a little ball in absolute denial. I couldn't face the fact that I hadn't won. I had an expectation of winning the night. I didn't have an expectation of others winning the night. And others did one. And, of course, a Pringle was one of the winners. So... I just remember that story and I thought, you know, sometimes that's what we do when we get disappointed, we curl up in a ball, we pretend it's not happening and we go into this funny place called denial. But God doesn't want us to go there because it actually affects the way we live the rest of our lives. And, you know, the amazing thing about the word disappointment, if you pull it apart a little bit like the nerd that I am, that I did, I pulled the word apart and I found that there was two key words in the word disappointment. One was pit and one was stop, pit stop. Disappointment is an okay place to visit, but it's a terrible place to live. Amen? So God wants to do something with your disappointment. You know, and I'm not sort of talking about those little disappointments here tonight. I'm talking about those ones that have really affected your heart. They've really had an impact on your heart. And so let's look at what Mary and Martha did in this story. Um, You know, I I was saying before, you know, denial is a very convenient response to disappointment. It's like the hot potato. You know, someone hands a hot potato to you and you chuck it away immediately because you don't want to handle it. But here's a way that we can handle our disappointments. In John 11 verse 1, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother uh, brother Lazarus lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. You know, disappointment, as I said before, always starts with an expectation. And they had an expectation that day of Jesus. They sent word to Jesus to tell him, the one you love is sick, so you had better come and do something about it. And we know from the word that Jesus stayed exactly where he was and he did it on purpose. So the girls, you know, Mary and Martha, they'd seen what happened before when Jesus was around. They knew that sick person lying down, equaled Jesus come, heal sick person, equals sick person, rises up from their bed. That was their expectation, but not this time. God had a greater plan in this particular hour. And, you know, apart from their expectation, um, it certainly did not work out the way they had planned. And Lazarus died. I mean, he really died. Like, he died, died. He was dead for four days before Jesus even turned up. Talk about unfulfilled expectation. Like on a scale of disappointment, that would be probably the worst. When someone you love passes away, the disappointment. Here's what happened. In verse 20, Martha runs to meet him and she says, if you'd been here, she wasn't happy with him, but at least she came to him. 
She wasn't happy with the outcome, but at least she approached God. And then in verse 32, it says, When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. They took their disappointment straight to Jesus. And you know what? They didn't couch their disappointment. They didn't dress it up so it looked all pretty. They came at Jesus with all of their doubts and all of their thoughts and all of their emotions, and Jesus totally handled it. Isn't that incredible? You know, recently, um, my husband and I had had this amazing breakthrough in our life. We were able to buy a house, which is incredible, amazing, on the northern beaches, which is just amazing, and that's a whole other story. But um, my husband's been doing this cabin out the back, and the only thing I can do to help him, this is like a cabin for extra rental income, etc. the only thing I could do to help him was really pray and <laughs> also paint. <laughs> Two things I can do for you, darling, pray for you and paint for you. So I couldn't do any of the other things. So I went up one day and I think I spent, we were talking about it in the back room, painting takes a lot longer than, you're gonna, than you think it's going to take, which can be a disappointment in itself. And I had, I had painstakingly painted all of these um, trims around the cabin in this really dark grey and I wanted to get it really right because we'd made some mistakes before so I was really trying hard and every time like a little grey drip kind of dripped on the white wall that we'd painted I'd get out the um, turps and I'd give it a little rub and I'd get it off and get rid of the mark so at the end when I was just thinking wonderful I've just done two and a half three hours of painting my husband's going to be so happy with me I get the paint can, and you know when you, you've got to put the top of the paint can on the paint can, you've got to kind of hit it a few times, and Glenn had t- taught me how to do that, so you get kind of like a spanner or something, and you just give it a good whack, so I decided to give it a good whack right next to the white wall, and <laughs> all over the white wall, dark grey paint. In that moment, I had some thoughts run through my mind. <laughs> which are not for public consumption. (laughs) Thoughts and words run through my mind that were not for public consumption. Now, I know it's funny and I know we all do it, but I remember walking down the hill back to the house with all my paint stuff and I just, this condemnation just went on me. And I made this statement to God. I said, God, I don't even know how you accept me at all. Now, you know, you, you have one moment like that and you think, well, Emily, he still accepts you. You know, you, you might have had a little bad word come out in, into your brain or whatever it was. But, you know, when it builds up over time and you kind of, you don't kind of take it to God and it sort of just builds up and you get to this place where you say something like that to God, God, I don't even know how you deal with me. Like, how can you even accept me? How can I minister for you in the Holy Spirit? (laughs) How can I do anything for you, Lord? And do you know what I heard him say loud and clear? Now, God doesn't talk to me all the time, but when he does, it makes such an impact and I knew it was his voice. And he said to me, Emily, I can handle human. I can handle human. And for me, this massive weight just lifted off my shoulders. And I went, oh, all this time I've been thinking every time I have a bad thought, every time I have a bad, you know, God's somehow shunning me, you know, or turning his back on me. Or, you know what, he can totally handle it. 
He can handle all your humanity. And when it comes to disappointment and you freak out and flip out and start blaming God and blaming this person and blaming that person and blaming yourself, he can handle all of it. And this is what these two women did. They came to him with their questions and they came to him with their emotions and he handled all of it. And in fact, when Martha came to Jesus in that place and she said, why weren't you here? And she, they begin to have this conversation about the resurrection. You know, as they're having this conversation, I'm thinking, you know, God's actually okay to talk to you about your disappointment. He's got things to say to you. And do you know what he said to Martha in that place? He gave her a promise. He said, your brother Lazarus will rise again. And she didn't even get it at the time that he meant, no, no, right now. Your brother's going to rise from the dead like right now. Because no one had ever seen Jesus do that before. They'd either been sleeping or in a coma or whatever. He was going to raise someone from the dead dead. And so, you know, in the place of disappointment, when you can bring all that stuff to Jesus, he wants to speak his promises to you in that place of disappointment. But you've got to go to him to hear them. And if you don't go to him to hear them, guess what you get? You get everyone else's opinion. Here's my favourite one. Well, you know, maybe it just wasn't meant to be. Who knows that when you're disappointed, that's possibly the worst thing that you can ever hear. Oh, it just wasn't meant to be. The second one I really love. This is my personal favourite. And you know I'm being sarcastic here. This is the one I really love. It's... um, have to remember it now. <laughs> Hang on, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> oh yeah, this is the one I really love. It's when um, people say um, everything happens for a reason. Oh my goodness, everything happens for a reason. Really? Show me that in the Bible. <laughs> There's no biblical premise for any of these statements. Everything happens for a reason. Oh, when God closes a door, he opens a window. You know, all of those ridiculous sentiments. But Jesus has truth to speak to you. And it doesn't mean that other people can't encourage you and say awesome things to you and help you walk through those disappointments. But Jesus wants to say some things to you in the place of disappointment. And that's what he did to Martha. He said, your brother's actually going to rise again. Awesome. She took it straight to Jesus. How amazing. You know, so there's all these sentiments that people say, you know, what I just said. But in Romans 8.28, this is what the word says about our disappointments. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That means that God can take everything that happens to you And he can mould it into something incredibly powerful in your life. He can mould it into something that was even greater than what you were expecting. You know, I had a few disappointing moments when I was growing up. A few boyfriends that I broke up with or that broke up with me. If I had known at that point that Glenn was coming along, I would have been fine. But I didn't know that Glenn was coming along, you know. I didn't know, you know, I sort of felt the, I felt God sort of speak to me a few times and, you know, but, yeah, it's, it's hard to sometimes hang, hang on to God when you have, it's been a few years or, or whatever it is. But what I'm saying to you here tonight is let God speak his promises into your world. And that is one of them, that God can make anything good. He can mould everything to be good. So, all right, so Martha comes to him with all her questions And then Jesus does this incredible thing and he says, 
this is what the resurrection means and this is who I am. And he says, do you believe that? And it's often in the place of disappointment that we have to ask ourselves, what do we really believe about who he is? What do I really believe about Jesus in this moment? And you've got to go to him for him to speak into your life so you can even have that, that moment of revelation. And so Martha speaks to him and they have this conversation. And so God can handle all your thoughts and all your questions. You know, even the questions that, you know, I feel like there's sometimes questions that even scare you to ask God. They don't scare God at all. None of your questions scare God. So you can go to him with all of that. Now, Mary's a different kettle of fish. We know that because there's a few different stories in the word that tell us about the difference between Mary and Martha. And one of them is, you know, the famous story how Martha was getting all the um, supper ready for the Lord and for Jesus as he came in and Mary was just sitting at his feet. So these two women were quite different. I kind of like to think of Mary as the emotional one. (laughs) And I'm not putting that banner over her, but... I relate to Mary. I'm the emotional one. And so I like Mary. And what she does is incredible too. She runs towards Jesus after her brother has died. And she says, Jesus, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. But she does this incredible thing. She actually falls at his feet. Isn't that amazing? She falls at his feet. So even in this place of great disappointment in this person called Jesus, who she had this expectation of, she still humbles herself enough to fall at his feet and to worship him. Similar story in Job. Job loses everything. He could have been very disappointed in God. He falls at the feet of the Lord and he worships. Unbelievable. So you can take all of your emotions to him as well. He's not scared of those either. All of your thoughts, all of your questions, and all of your emotions. Now here's the thing. Jesus said to both of the women that day and to anyone who else was listening, he said, come and watch what I'm going to do, basically. He he took them to the actual um, tomb where Lazarus was dead. And he said, I want you to roll the stone away. What I believe this speaks to us about is this incredible moment where, you know, we, we can often think that a disappointment makes something final in our life. It's almost as if, We have a disappointment in our life and we roll this big stone over a tomb and we go, okay, we're not going in there again. That was disappointing. We're going to shut that door. But before Lazarus had even died, Jesus knew the end of this story for them. Before you even encounter your disappointments, God knows the end of the story. And the end of the story doesn't happen when you think it happens. It happens when he says... And with God, there is always this incredible hope. So he says, I want you to roll the stone away. And I feel like for us tonight, sometimes that's the finality of our disappointment. We kind of go, okay, that's final. What's done is done, whatever. And I'm not saying that when you roll the stone away, everything's going to reverse for you and that everything's going to turn out exactly how you want it. But I'm just saying that God can resurrect anything in your life. And so they roll the stone away. And tonight, I feel like some of you in this room might need to roll that stone away and go, you know what? You know, I closed the book on this thing. I've closed the book on this issue in my life. But I'm going to realise right now that God is still writing this story in my life. And, and it's, not, it's not time to close the book yet. You know, he's called the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. That means he knows the end. And just when you think it's the end... 
it's probably not the end. So disappointment feels final, but it never is. You never know what is just around the corner. And Jesus called Lazarus out of that tomb and he was raised to life again. Isn't that incredible? Can you just close your eyes in this place tonight? It's a short message, but I just wanted to remind you here tonight that when you encounter disappointments this year, and you know we all do, we all encounter disappointments because we can't shut down our expectation completely. There will always be expectations in our lives that sometimes go unmet and unfulfilled. So as you do encounter those disappointments this year or whenever it is in your world, all you need to know is this. It's not time to run away from him. It's time to run straight to him. With all of your questions, with all of your emotions, just like Mary and Martha did that day. And just watch what Jesus can do with that. You know, Jesus had compassion. It says in verse 35 that he wept. He knew that Lazarus was going to rise from the dead. And there's lots of people who talk about why Jesus wept in that moment. I actually believe it was just because of his merciful, compassionate heart. He was around grieving people and he grieved with them. But he knew the end of the story. So for you here in this place tonight, maybe you need to bring a disappointment to him. You know, I was talking to my husband last night and I said, I talked about something specific in my world and I said, I don't know if I've ever brought that to God. I don't know if I've ever taken that disappointment and actually faced Jesus face to face with that thing. Jesus wants to talk to you tonight. In the place of disappointment, he can speak his greatest promises to you. In the place of disappointment, he can do far above all you could ask or think. So we thank you here tonight for your presence, God. We thank you, Jesus. You're always faithful to us. You're so faithful, God. We can come to you with all our stuff. We can be real with you because you can handle human. <laughs> you can handle our humanity. It's not too much for you, Jesus.